Welcome to Grace Community Church On Demand, the weekly podcast from the Sunday services at Grace Community Church in Rupert, Idaho. Here at Grace, we believe in building the kingdom of God one person at a time. We're passionate about loving God, loving people, and following Jesus. Let's get into this week's message with Pastor Travis Turner. We're ready for the word of the Lord today. We're going to dive right in. I think, I believe that this is going to be the closing message for the series that I've been in, Were You Created for Greatness? And of course, the answer to that is, yes, absolutely you were. Let's go ahead and turn our Bibles to the book of 2 Samuel chapter 11. This is a very common story, a story that you've heard many, many times, but how many of you know that God's word doesn't get old? And how many of you know that God's word is always powerful and it's always relevant? So it doesn't matter if this is the 50th time that you've heard this story or the first time. I'm telling you to lean in because God's got something for you today. The Bible says in 2 Samuel chapter 11 and verse 1, it says, It happened in the spring of the year at the time when kings went out to battle. But David remained in Jerusalem. See, David sent his crew out. He sent his boys out and he said, listen, I'm gonna, I want you to go and I want you to, I want you to destroy Ammon and I want you to besiege and surround Rabath. But, but he remained home. And this is the first mistake. Hold up number one and say mistake number one. Nothing good happens when you're out of place. There's absolutely nothing good that happens when you're out of place. And I could preach a whole message on this because there are many times that you yourself have been out of place and position. And had you made a different decision, come on, you wouldn't have fallen. You wouldn't have struggled. You wouldn't have, you wouldn't have done whatever regret it is that you're dealing with today. It just would not have happened. But that's not really the, the entirety of the story. So let's go on. Verse 2, it says this. It happened one evening that David got up out of bed, he arose from his bed, and he walked out onto the roof of the king's house. From the roof, he was looking around and he seen a woman. Now, this woman wasn't his woman. It was somebody else's woman. And it's interesting. I think about this time, David had about seven wives, and so this was, it wasn't like he didn't have enough company Seven wives, right? And then probably a lot of others on the side. But, but he was in a place where he should not have been. He looks down and he sees this beautiful woman. And this is his next mistake. His next mistake is this. He inquired of her. He inquired of her. The Bible says that, so David sent and inquired about the, the woman. And uh, somebody said, listen, isn't this Bathsheba... And he makes the connection. Isn't this Bathsheba? Isn't this Bathsheba the daughter of Iliam? And isn't this the wife of Uriah the Hittite? And I'm just telling you men and women that it's good for you to have good friends that will warn you regardless if you listen to the warning. Right? A, a lot of people today, they don't have one person in their corner that, that loves them enough that's going to say, hey, listen, I don't think this is a good idea. 
I think you're moving into dangerous territory. And so David had this, but he continued to, you know, to do what he should not have done. Uh, he continued to pursue that. So let's go ahead and pray. Lord, we thank you so much for today. And right now, Lord, I'm thankful for the spirit of God that is in this place. Thank you, Lord, for the presence that is in this place. And I pray that over these next few moments, as we begin to just dive into your word, I pray, Lord, that you would meet us right where we are. Lord, our heart's desire isn't just to know about you, it's to know you. And I just ask, Lord, that these things would happen, we would be strengthened, God, we would be encouraged, but we would be challenged before we leave this place. And I pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. amen. See, there was a time when Tina and I, when, when, we, would, uh, when we would purchase a house and, and we would live in that house for a period of two years, and then we would sell the house and we would make a profit and there was no capital gains to pay on the house. And we did this over and over and over again. Had we not done this, when we, when we sold our home um, in Boise to move to Rupert, we had to sell during a terrible time. The worst time that you could sell was whenever we had to sell. Um, it was when the, the bubble, you know, broke, but thank God we had enough equity. We had a ton of equity in our home because we were diligent about buying and then we would live, we would make a profit, we would take the entirety of the profit, we wouldn't spend it on uh, you know, a new vehicle, we wouldn't spend it on new golf clubs, however I thought about that a couple of times, we wouldn't spend it on anything, but we would roll it into uh, our, our next purchase. And so when we had to sell, like I was so bummed out, when we had to sell to get from Boise to here in the worst possible time that you could sell, we had a ton of equity. We, all of that equity went out the window, but guess what? We didn't have to file bankruptcy. We didn't owe money that we didn't have. Come on, God had, come on, made it possible. And so sometimes I wonder what that money would be like today, but I can't stay there. Like, like you know what I mean? Depression sets in and... And also, I just got to look at the, at the positive side of things, but we did things right and we did things well. And I want you to realize this, that we're coming out of a seller's market and we're moving slowly into a buyer's market. A seller's market is what we have been in over the past two, maybe three years, where if you're selling your home and you love this, right? You absolutely, if you sold a home in these last couple of years, you're just like, God is good, right? All you had to do is take a sign, put it out in, and it could just be like a sign that you just wrote yourself for sale. You know, you didn't even spell out F-O-R. You just put the number four for sale. You put the price in the bottom corner and all of a sudden, because it's a seller's market, you've got all kinds of people that are, that, are, that are saying, listen, not only will I give you what you're asking for your home, but I'll give you this much above and beyond what it is that you're asking. And so how many times have you heard that story over the past few years, right? And so good on you in the event that you were able to sell. But this is the deal. There wasn't a ton of investors investing money in properties over these last couple of years. 
like we've seen in the past. And the reason is, is because the idea is to buy low and to sell high. And if you're buying a home or several homes for that matter at the peak of the market, then whenever the market levels out, you've now paid more for a home or a piece of property than what it's worth, right? Economics 101, buy low, sell high. And so, so that would be a bad investment if you were just investing. And it's not a matter of affordability. Like you might have the money in the bank to buy 10 properties, but it's just not smart to buy at the height of the market because it's not a matter of affordability, it's a matter of sustainability. And if you, even if you have a bunch of money, if you create a habit of paying more for something than whatever it is that it's worth, then that's just not good business. It's not good business. Now, many people had to purchase something during this time because they needed a place to, they needed a place to live, right? And so, as it is in real estate, so it is in life. Number one, point number one is this, greatness can demand a price that is not worth the pain. Greatness can demand a price on your life that is absolutely not worth the pain. The Bible says, and Jesus is the one that said, he said, listen, pick up your cross daily and follow me. How many of you know that whenever you pick up a, a cross, come on, there's a price to pay. Romans chapter 12 says this, I beseech you therefore, brethren, in view of God's mercy, come on, lay down your life, give your life as a living sacrifice. Come on, that speaks of a price that is being, that is being paid, right? What is sacrifice? Sacrifice is denial. Sacrifice is whenever you do not do what you desire to do, what you want to do. And so that's a sacrifice. And that's what we do as Christians. To walk with God, that means that I can no longer do what it is that I want to do right? I've got to do what it is that he wants. Now, there's a lot of people that still, like they're trying to serve the Lord, Penny. This isn't you. I just caught your, you know what I'm saying? Like they're trying to serve the Lord, but they're going to do what it is that they're, what they desire to do. And that's just not going to work real well, right? And so you can't walk with God and do whatever it is that you want. You can't, you can't have a great marriage and just do whatever it is that you want to do. You can't, you can't build an incredible business and just kind of do whatever it is that you want to do. You can't have a lot of money in the bank and just do whatever it is that you want to do. You can't raise great kids and just do what you want to do. And guess what? You can't be physically fit and well just by doing what it is that you want to do. I wish it was that easy. This is my Achilles heel once again, right? And so it's sacrifice. And so before you start anything, I want to encourage you to set some boundaries, to set some boundaries. Like before you do anything new in life, what you should do is you should say, you know what? I'm willing to do this and I'm not willing to do that. And so you go into it with some clear boundaries that are set. Like, let's just say, for instance, you're you're newly married and you're like, you know what? I think it's time that we start having kids. Boy, oh boy, aren't our kids going to be beautiful? We're going to make some good kids. 
good looking, wonderful kids. And we're going to have lots of them. We're going to have lots of babies. But see, this is the deal is if you don't me this, it's like, let's to pay the price that's being asked. You don't have to pay the price that's being asked. Erica's here this morning, and there was a time uh, a few years a few years back. Man, I was so ramped up on just building on building a house, and so I'm. You would think like like property would be easy to find that it has a nice view of this beautiful mountain that we have. You would just think that it would just you know what I'm saying like it would just be. It would just be so easy to find. It's not that easy to find. I'm thinking, I'm just going to move to Rupert. I don't have a lot of desires, but I just want to look at that mountain every morning. I want to go out, whether it be on my front porch or my back porch. It really doesn't matter. If I got a side view, I'll make a porch over there too. But I'm just going to take my little cup of coffee, and I'm going to have my devotion in the morning, and I'm going to look at that beautiful mountain that we have that that you really don't even understand how beautiful it is if you've been raised here because it's just become normal. But when you haven't been raised here, you look at that. And so, so anyway, I'm talking and she's helping me and other people are looking, looking and, and man, I got a house plan put together and, and, um, and I'm pricing it out. I'm gonna, you know what I'm saying? Like I put all the contracting together to, you know, to, to, to brought things together, very involved with, with building the church here. And so I know a lot of people and man, I can have this person do that and this person do this and this person do that. And I'm telling you in the matter of two months, a few years ago, my budget had gone from a certain amount which I could afford to about $50,000 more than what I could afford. And then it was just steadily, rapidly climbing. I didn't even have a piece of property to build on and I'm just penciling everything out. And so, man, I've got my gun out. I'm ready to pull the trigger on a lot of different things and, and this was, I, I can't even take credit for it. This was my wife's doing. She said, reholster your gun. <laughs> re, re, reholster your gun. And so what we did is we just took about $10,000 that, that we had saved up and we remodeled our home. And, and it was the best decision that I ever made. Why? Because I know the dollars that I had to spend. And rapidly, it went way above the dollars that I had to spend. Now, I could have made a foolish decision and said, to heck with it, man. I deserve that mountain view and that cup of coffee. But that would have been a foolish decision, one that I would be paying for literally for the rest of my life or until, until God brought about a miracle to get me out of the mess that I was just created for myself. And so... Some people here, you might be here and you're just like, listen, you're mad at God because your husband or your wife, you know what I'm saying? Like they don't, they don't, they don't love God and they don't go to church. I'm talking to the people online, not people here, but you're angry at God because my husband doesn't love God and he doesn't go to church. And, but the deal is, is he didn't love God and he didn't go to church when you first married him. But you're mad at him now. And I'm just saying that we make decisions in life and then we're angry to that person. Because I want to give you something here just real quick online because it's nobody here. To that person, I want you to know the best thing that you can do is just continue to pray for your husband. 
The best thing that you can do is continue to go to church and bring them kids to church and do your best to bring the Lord into the center of your home as often as possible. Good amen. Amen. All right. So only you can determine what it is that you're willing to pay for the vision that you're pursuing right now. Only you can make that determination. And you do not have to pay what's being asked. Right? There's a big phrase in this scripture that we had just read. It says, there was a time when kings went out to war. David stayed back. Number two is this. Don't stay back when there's purpose to attack. Don't remain behind when you're supposed to go forward. Right? He wasn't supposed to be hanging back. He was supposed to be out on the battlefield with his brothers in arms. So David is is back home in the palace and he gets up in the middle of the night and he walks out onto the roof and he looks down and he sees this beautiful woman called, her name's Bathsheba. And the Bible says that he inquired of her. What does it mean to inquire? He sent a message to her and said, hey, are you interested? So don't think that Bathsheba, you know what I mean, is all clean in this story. You know, she might be thinking I'm married to a general, but that's the king. He inquired of her, are you interested? Of course, she was interested. She responds. She gets pregnant by David. And then sin does what sin can only do. Sin will take you farther than you ever wanted to travel. And it'll keep you longer than you ever wanted to stay. And I'm telling you, I'm speaking to somebody here right now. You're out of position. Your mind's already in play as to what you can do, what might happen. And I'm just telling you this, that you're in a dangerous territory because sin will take you farther than you ever want to go, and it'll keep you longer than you want to stay. I would say in Jesus' name, come out from that terrible place of thinking, and don't do whatever it is that you're considering doing. See, so she gets pregnant, and then all of a sudden, because we have to cover our dirt, right? All of a sudden, the cover-up begins. He says, listen, you're pregnant. What? Listen, I'm the king. I can, I can order anything. I'm going to bring Uriah from the battlefield. I'm going to bring him home. And then all of a sudden, he's just going to be with you. This will be our dirty little secret. Nobody's going to know what's going on. It doesn't matter that the brand new baby comes out with different colored eyes than Uriah has and a much bigger nose or, or whatever. It doesn't matter that, that they don't look anything alike. It's like, listen, this is going to work. But the problem was, is that Uriah was an honorable man. See, David sets it up, brings him in, starts giving him some drink and sends him home to, to be with his wife. But Uriah was an honorable man. He's like, listen, there's no way I'm going to enjoy the comforts that this life and my wife has to offer me when my, when my brothers are dying right now out on the battlefield. There's no way I'm going to do it. And so isn't it amazing that honor and integrity are the very things that just disturbed David's plan to cover up his sin? And so you fast forward, the child, the child dies. David's heart is broken. It's a powerful story. I encourage you to read it. 
The child dies and David's heart is broken and David repents and he asks Jesus, he asks God to forgive him of his sins. And guess what? God absolutely faithfully forgave him of his sin. And so I want you to realize this, there's no sin that you cannot return from. If you're here and you are already caught out of place and you already allowed your mind, you know what I mean, to go to areas and thoughts that you should not be thinking about as a Christian man or a Christian woman, and because you were out of position and you gave room for those thoughts to stir in your head, you actually acted on it, I'm telling you right now that forgiveness is available for you. Because God absolutely loves you. There's no decision that you've made in the past that God will not forgive if you're genuine and sincere in your repentance. God, I'm sorry I broke your heart. I feel the heaviness, the weightiness of the world. Come on, you know what sin does. It's heavy. It totally robs from you. Come out from that place. You do not have to carry that for the rest of your life. Jesus will forgive you of your sin. No mistake is unforgivable. And so at the end, toward the end of David's life, David has this dream and his desire, and his dream and desire is to build the tabernacle of the Lord. Come on, here David is, he's living in this amazing palace. He's got all of these servants and everything, but the house of God back then was a tent. And he's like, listen, God, I just want to I just want to do something special, significant for you. I want to build you a temple. And God said, no, 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 no. And David's like, what do you mean? No, 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 no. God said, no, 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 no. You've got too much blood on your hands. Too much blood on your hands. Come on. God is the one that gave him the ability to go out and kill Goliath. God is the one that gave him the favor whenever he would go out and, 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 and go into battles and wars that, that thousands of people would fall, come on, at David's strike. What do you mean there's too much blood on your hands? And I'm telling you today that it's not the sanctioned blood that God was talking about. He was talking about the murder that he did because he sent Uriah after he would not live or after he would not be with his wife, Bathsheba, he sent Uriah to the front lines to be murdered. So God is saying, listen, you're not qualified. You're disqualified because there's too much blood on your hands. You murdered Uriah. So when David woke up, I just wonder, and I want you to put yourself in this, in this place. When David woke up in the middle of the night, when he should have been out on the battlefield... I wonder if he thought, man, these decisions that I'm about to make, it's going to rob from me the greatest thing. And I'm telling you that sin is often like this. You're thinking, come on, it's just a little sin. I've just done this multiple times or I've done many things that are similar and this is just going to be the, the same and God's going to forgive me. But I wonder if he really realized that this time was going to be different, that it was going to rob him from the greatest thing, the greatest desire that he wanted to do, which was build the temple. I'm like, man, why didn't you go to war? If you just would have went to war where you were supposed to be, you wouldn't have got up in the middle of the night. You wouldn't have walked out onto the roof. You wouldn't have looked down and saw Bathsheba. You wouldn't, you wouldn't have, have, have called out to her 
She wouldn't have come. You wouldn't have sinned. She wouldn't have got pregnant. Uriah would still be alive. Why didn't you just do what you were supposed to do? See, I believe this, that David was out of position because of exhaustion. I believe he was so tired, and there's not a, a ton of backing on this, and it might be a little bit of a stretch, but I'm telling you what, that people are not at their best when they're exhausted. I know a pastor that, that, uh, that was, he pastored the fastest growing church in the United States, gotten a chance to, to meet this guy, and, and, um, and then all of a sudden, he had a moral failure. And when asked about the moral failure, he didn't say, you know what I'm saying, that it was, the, it was, it was all the, the, the busy schedule and, and whatnot by itself. But he said, I found myself being so busy that I was just ministering out of a dry space in a dry place. And I'm just telling you this, that if you're not pursuing God and if you're not pressing into God, you don't have to be a pastor, come on, to get in a dry space in a dry place. And I'm telling you, that's a very dangerous place to be. Come on, David's been spending his life fighting. He's been spending his life fleeing. He's been spending his life protecting and pursuing. And I can just imagine him saying, I just need some rest. And we see other places in the Bible where David did need rest. So I think that this is something that he, that he struggled with. I wonder if David oftentimes remembered what happened to Saul. You know, they would be coming back from the battle and, and there would be women and children lining the streets and there were songs written for their return that Saul has killed his thousands, but David had killed his 10,000. See, that's when David was just an ordinary foot soldier. He didn't have much responsibility as an ordinary foot soldier, but now he's a, now he's a king and Saul was a king and, and, and boy, maybe I gotta work just a little bit harder. I gotta do just a little bit more because I remember what happened to the first king. See, I believe that David paid more for greatness than what it is that God was asking. I believe he paid more for the, the great name, the great things that he wanted to do than what God asked him to. And because of that, he was depleted. Mark chapter 8 and verse 36 says this, what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world but yet loses his soul? Come on, what good is the gain if you don't have any peace to enjoy it? What good is the gain if it robs you of your vision? What good is the gain if you have no more joy? What good is the gain if you don't have anybody to share it with, the family that you love and cherish because they've left? My question to you this morning is, is are you loving too much or are you paying too much? Come on, are you paying too much? Have you lost your joy? Have you lost your happiness? Are you just kind of going through the motions, hoping that, that, a, that, that a, you know, a day in the future, everything is just going to come together? Come on, are you worried about losing your salvation? Do you fear failure, and so you're driving that much more? I'm just going to do whatever it takes to be successful. Are you reaching for something that was never yours in the first place? Are you working a job that is outside of your wheelhouse because you want to be somebody? See, the world says this, to be great, you've got to do what everybody else is unwilling to do. 
In the world, if you want to be great, if everybody else is working an eight-hour shift, you need to work a 12-hour shift. In the world, to be great, if everybody's working five days a week, then you need to work seven days a week. In the world, to be great, if everybody else is getting up at 6.30 in the morning, you're going to get up at 4.30 in the morning. And that additional two hours is going to be the very thing that sets you apart. I want you to know this, that there's no trophies that are given to people that just start fast. You ever watched a, watched a sprint? And these, these guys are like thoroughbreds. These women are like thoroughbreds. Man, they're built to run. And they're in the gate. They're in their starting. They take their position. And they start so quickly. But have you ever seen somebody blow a hamstring? Have you ever seen an Achilles tendon snap on somebody? They have the fastest start, the greatest start, but they don't finish the race. And guess what? It doesn't matter if the slowest guy in the start, if he finishes first, he's the one that's taking the prize home. And there are so many people with ambition and worldly desires and drive that they just, man, they're out of the gate so fast, but they never finish the, the race. And the apostle Paul said this at the end of his life, I have ran my race, I have finished, right? And the idea here is to finish. See, you've got to keep striving, but you also need to count the costs as well. Because what's the flip side? The flip side is, is people, some people have zero motivation to do anything. You can't, you can't, you can't encourage them enough to get off center, they're always the last one. They travel slow. You want to know something about people? Watch how they walk. Just how somebody moves from point A to point B is going to tell you a ton about that person. You can't get them out. You can't motivate them enough. And then if you motivate them, you've got to continue to keep them motivated. So I'm not saying don't drive, don't grow, don't reach. But what I'm saying is, is you better be counting the cost because there's two ways that you can get a ticket in this world. You can get a ticket for going way too fast and you can get a ticket for going way too slow. And if you go out here and you just drive like a maniac, like your, your life and other people's lives are in danger. And that's the same way in the spiritual realm, in, the, in, in, this, in, this, in this life this walk with God, if you just go out and blow all your energy, I'm telling you this, if I try to take too much time, and, and I, I take a lot of time to do a three-mile run, but if I try to shave off a minute or two minutes, the chances of me finishing that without having to pause and walk greatly go up. See, you can, you can trash yourself. You, can, you cannot achieve the goals that you've set out because you've set out at a pace that you can't sustain. We'll just call it the pace of grace. You're outpacing the pace of grace. But then again, if you're just like lackadaisical and you're just like half asleep all the time in life, and then, then guess what? Your children are going to grow up and they're never going to see the miracle-making hand of God at work because you're not, you're not trusting in God for anything. And I'm just saying that's a bad place to be too. There's three thoughts and I'm going to close with this. Number one, protect your time with God. Protect your time with God. 
If you don't have time with God, I'm telling you, you're paying a price that is going to hurt you in the long run. Paying a price that you cannot afford. And I'm not talking about your time with God because you're so busy that you've got the Bible app downloaded on your phone and you're going from job to job and, 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 and appointment to appointment. You just kind of got it playing in the background and you're not even really paying attention to it. Matter of fact, you're having road rage, you know, road rage, you know, situations take place. And the, and the word of God, you know, Corinthians, the love chapter of the Bible is playing in the background and, 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 and you're shaking your fist at somebody as you drive by. So protect your time with God. The Bible says in Acts 13, 22, and when he had removed him, we're going to find out who was removed. He raised up for them a new king, King David, to whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. See, the person that was removed was King Saul. See, King Saul turned his back on God, and so God removed him and raised up another. You just let that minister to you for a second. He was removed because he turned his back on God. You need to protect your time with God. See, this is the other thing, too, is I want your, your attention real quick. David didn't become king through ambition. He didn't become king because he was working 12-hour days when everybody else was working eight-hour days. He became king because that was God's call and plan and purpose for his life. And he positioned himself in the right space in the right place many times before he found himself out of position. How did he become this man after God's own heart? He didn't do it as a king. He did it as a shepherd. He did it on the backside of a mountain watching sheep where you can only have so many conversations with sheep before you start talking to somebody more important, and that was God. See, David, in this alone time with God, this is where so many of these beautiful songs that we even sing today were written, right? Or different variations of them. As the deer panteth for the water, so my soul longeth after thee. You alone are my heart's disease. Is it possible that David had written this song when he was out in wilderness, out in nature, and then all of a sudden he sees a doe and a fawn, like literally at a, 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 a brook stream, bending over and, and just lapping up the water, and he began to see God in and through the nature that he was surrounded by. It was during this time that David, come on, really gathered and his heart changed from what it was to, to what it was known for. But then all of a sudden, his responsibilities begin to change. His responsibilities went from sheep, come on, to being the king. And now he has to deal with wars. He's got to deal with taxes. He's got to deal with people problems. Can I give you just some insight to, to what it's like, the struggles that, 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 that are present just being a pastor? It's not hard meeting with people. I love meeting with people. It's not difficult. It takes a lot of time, but message preparation is, is not a difficult thing. But you know what the most difficult thing to do is, is to protect intimate time with God. 
because there's so many different things going on. I will tell you this, when I, it was much easier for me when I could, you know, I worked a job, 40, 50 hour a week job, and then I did about 20 to 30 hours a week ministry on top of that. It seems like it was easier for me at that time to have special alone time you know, with the Lord, because my schedule was just structured and I could just, I could make it happen. But now it's just all over the place. Imagine a mom that has three kids and she's a single mom. It's the same struggle. Where are you going to find time to protect your intimacy with the Lord or a business owner that's just working, working, working. Come on. He's invested his life savings and she's invested her life savings and and, and the work is just consuming every ounce of your life. How are you going to find special time with God? Number two is this, make your family a priority. Like, listen, grow and become and maximize your life. Become everything that you desire to come that God has created you to become. But listen, do not lose your family in the process. Don't lose your family in the process. Come on, your family is one of the greatest gifts that God has given to you and will ever give to you. I think it's interesting, back in the book of beginnings in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 18, God's looking at Adam and he says, listen, something's off here just a little bit. It's not good for man to be alone. And so he created Eve and he gave them the capacity to love one another. Do you realize what he was saying here? God had been, had been spending plenty of time with Adam himself. So God and Adam had a great relationship. But guess what? Just God alone, this will rock you a little bit. It wasn't enough. God alone wasn't enough for man. Think about it. He's created him. They're having great time together, but something is off created all the stars, all the, everything, all the animals, something's off just a little bit. Ah, I know what it is. He needs a perfect helpmate. Number three is this, enjoy the life that God has given to you. How do we do that? Be the person, remain the person, Become the best version of who God has created you to be. I wish you could see my note because I had this picture come into my, into my mind, but I've got the word mentor, M-E-N-T-O-R, mentor. And I've got the first three letters of mentor in green. M-E-N is in green. And then the T-O-R is in red. What does green represent? And red represents stop. And so in my mind, I'm thinking that there are mentors in your life that, that, that are going to, man, they're going to speak powerful things to you, but you gotta be guarded even against people that are speaking all the right things to you because this is the deal. There was a time in my life where I left the call of the ministry that I knew that was on my life and began to pursue money and wealth and finances and it all came through a man 
that it's definitely seen something inside of me. And he, and he made promises. I'm going to raise you up. I'm going to teach you. And then you're going to become a manager and we're going to put people under you and all this stuff. Everything happened like it was. And I was making great money doing it. But that's what I would call the red part of a mentor, M-E-N or the T-O-R. Either one, it's the red part. Somebody's gonna call you to do something that is outside of what it is that you've been created to do. But if you can find somebody that's gonna support and they're gonna see, come on, the call of God in your life and they're gonna speak to the the same language but it's gonna be doing what it is that you were created to do, then that's where you're gonna find your joy and your happiness. Do you know this? You cannot lose your joy. Because when you lose your joy, everything that is bad becomes worse. Everything that's a little bit off, man, it can be devastating if you don't have joy. So are you happy? Are you excited about life? Where are you at? Don't lose your faith. Don't lose your friends. Don't lose yourself. Philippians chapter 4, 12 says this, last verse. I know what it is, the Apostle Paul said, to be in need. And I know what it is to have plenty. He's saying, listen, I know what it's like to to have more, more bills than I've got money. And I know what it's like to get out and hustle and to have more money than bills. And so he says this, he says, I've learned the secret of being content in every single situation, whether I've been well fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or living in want. Paul said this, I've always been content. That's what I want to encourage you to do today. Become the very best that God has created you to become, but make sure you stay true to God. Make sure you stay true to your family and make sure you stay true to yourself because there is there are levels of success that God has never, he's never called you into. You know, you're pursuing something maybe because you know somebody else that did something as well. And you look at their life and it's admirable. And you're like, man, I'd like to have that life. Maybe I can do that also. But that very, that little bit of exposure and that wrong thinking, what it does is it just thrusts you into a stream that goes away from where your true purpose is. Right? Like, listen, every single one of you Every single one of you, God has a plan for. And your calling and your purpose is unique to what it is that he's put inside of you. And I just feel like we're living in a world where people are bypassing the main thing in pursuit of, 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 of something that's secondary or third or all the way. It's not even on the list. So I want to encourage you. Come on, spend some time praying to the Lord and ask, God, what is it? I've been created for such a time as this, but what is it that myself and my family, what are we supposed to be about? And then find that space and place. And even if you're making a lot less money than you could make someplace else, I'm telling you what, you're going to live a life full of purpose, a life full of, come on, this room is filled with people. Honestly, you could leave what you're doing right now and you could go do another job and make more money. 
but it might be at the cost of your family. It might be at the cost of, it might be at a price that you're just, you know, when all things are said and done, that you're, you're like, you know what? I wish I wouldn't have made that decision. I wish I wouldn't have made that decision. Let me pray for you. Lord, we thank you for today. We thank you for your word. And I'm just asking right now, Lord, that you would just speak to hearts and minds this morning. I pray, Lord, that uh, the people would know that every sin can be forgiven by you. And so if somebody's heavy just because of looking at David's life and, 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 and just the, you know, how sin can just get away from us. Lord, I pray for that person that's here today. And I just ask in Jesus' name that they would just come to the base, the foot of the cross. And that they would meet you in that place, Lord. We ask you to forgive us of our sins. Come in, wash us clean, make us whole in Jesus' name. And Lord, for those people that are just out of position, Lord, let them find themselves where they're supposed to be. Get them back there quickly. If they made some mistakes along the way, Lord, we pray that you would just help them through that. But God, we pray that we would live the intentional life. Every single day we'd get up, Lord, trusting in you, pursuing you, believing in you, but not getting ahead of you, not outpacing you, not reaching for something that was never ours to reach for. Lord, the enemy is so good at creating distractions. And I pray, Lord, that we would have eyes to see and ears to hear where those distractions are in Jesus' name. And we would come out from these places that were not we were not created to be and we don't we do not belong and i pray in jesus name that we would get on the path lord that just honors you glorifies you the path of faith and that lord we would be stretched in all ways lord we would grow but lord not at the cost not at the cost of 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 of, of just diving into into things that we were never called to do Lead us, direct us by the Holy Spirit. The steps of the righteous, the Bible says, are ordered by the Lord. I pray all these things for these great people today in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen and amen. That's it for today's teaching. Hey, here's an idea. Share today's message with a friend or family member. If you're listening from outside our fellowship, we'd love to meet you. Visit graceid.org and hit the contact form to get in touch. We'd also love for you to join us. You can even check us out on Facebook Live by searching Facebook for Grace Church Rupert ID. Learn more and plug in at graceid.org. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Grace Community Church.